This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. Mm, no problem. Mm. So we're trying Island Teriyaki, number two, at the Rebar on Main Street in Nitro. It's really easy to get to. Oh, it's if super you're easy in, to get If to, you're in yeah. Nitro, you just get off of 64. Who are you talking to? I'm recording. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And I'm trying the Yum Ball, and pictures do not do it justice. It is the greatest Yeah, this is our third stop in Charleston food. today. Mm-hmm. So we went God. to Dim Two Brothers Barbecue and a Grill, I think. Dim Two Brothers and a Grill Barbecue, maybe. I get that name wrong all the time. You know me, Sweet Nan Nans. Um, we went <laughs> you know, to, we just keep calling Sweet Nan Nans out, though, so is it really that bad? I am. What was the name of the fish place where we got fish and chips? It was in the Capital Market. We're going to put it up. You guys will see the name of it. It was excellent. And now we tried Island Teriyaki, and we are across the board sort of blown away by them. So they all got quesadillas. I got the plainest one. I didn't realize it was going to be this plain, but it's still very good. Michael, what did you get? The cheeseburger one. So you guys, did it's you guys both get that, or? Oh, you I got, got the, the chicken Philly. Philly. Um, it I needs got a the sauce. dude quesadilla, and it is out of this world. I want her mm. sauce. So mine just has chicken, gouda, and like veggies on it. It's really good. It's good quality. I think hers also has yum yum sauce and pineapple sauce. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. Don't know, don't care. It's outrageously delicious. Outrageously good. And I also got poutine that I didn't get into. Oh yeah, you have poutine, so, which I've never had. I have never had poutine. This is, might be a weird spot to try it, but um, Millie thinks that the fries are good. Yeah, I like it. Happies? Yeah. I mean, it's fries and gravy and cheese. What's not to like? Exactly, Matt. I I will never <laughs> like poutine. I can't do it. Matt's about to try poutine. His yeah. burger quesadilla is better than a lot of burger places I've gotten burgers. Uh, yeah, agreed. I agree with that. It's really good. So, guys, I am a I am a poutine hater. I swear, if it's good, I will admit that I like it. I officially no longer have the trashiest palate on this show. Why? Because if anyone likes that, I don't understand. Go home. <laughs> I don't get... I don't... I'm sure it's made well. I don't like poutine. I just don't... I've had it before. Is it the texture where it's like real squishy that you yeah, don't like probably, it? Yeah, probably. But I see I've had it super fresh when the fries were so mm. kind of crunchy. It doesn't yeah. matter. But it immediately soaks into it. And I'm yeah, like, okay, this just... This just Real, real talk. I don't even put gravy on mashed potatoes. I know you're doing you free. He doesn't. He's I'm a psycho. More, but I'm more of like a, um, like a sour cream in mashed potatoes. You like know? that's the type of. I'm gonna that's call, the type of potato. That I'm gonna I call have. it now. That's a you sign of a murderer. Still, it's a sign of a murderer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Britt. You're probably gonna go first. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can still put gravy on sour cream potatoes. They're just you just double down. I don't mm-hmm. understand your issue here. You just put more stuff on your stuff. You guys are insane, but this place is this place is bonkers good. It's really, really good. Another one you got. Go I really. Wish. I haven't talked at all about it. I really That's wish. That's how good it is. Um, yeah, she's just busy eating. Real talk. We're talking about coming back here next year for Millie's birthday. We have to. I look forward to going to here again. Yeah, this you, is our. This is my first stop when we come back. I think. Have you even had the rum ball? Or the, I keep wanting to call it a rum ball. Yum ball. Yum ball. I just had the only yum ball I'll ever need. No. No, you gotta try it. You really try do. It. It's yeah, really you good. really got to it. Explain what the yum ball is. So. so, there's teriyaki rice on the bottom. Mm-hmm. There's rice and che- cheddar cheese inside of it. 
in the ball. It's covered in teriyaki sauce. It's deep fried. There's yum yum sauce. There's all kinds of stuff. There's there's stuff going on. I know, right? Sorry. No, you can swear. I love yum yum sauce. That is so good. So we do not swear on this show. Okay, I swear on this. Did you have this? I just don't swear very often. The barbecue sauce really worked this up. Good call. Okay. By the way, let's call them out real quick. Sure. Yeah, so a local place called Tipsy Ruse made barbecue sauce, and okay. we're using the BUI, Barbecuing Under the Influence Bourbon Barbecue Sauce. Just, just to, so again, you heard me say, like, my quesadilla kind of needed a sauce. The yum sauce, next time I order this, if I get it again, I'm adding the yum sauce to it because that stuff is absolutely ridiculous. Would you say um, it's yummy? Well, yes. And that is out of Charleston, West Virginia. But yeah, that's with, cool. with that being said, with this barbecue sauce, it's kind of money. So, yeah. I wanted to add... Would you eat work, it on a flip-flop? I wanted, to work, <laughs> I wanted to work that in because I feel like we were kind of doing our own diners, drive-ins, and dives. Just pepper and some so, money. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that is money. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll just cut out everything Michael says. It's fine. Guy Fieri is going to hear this, and my dreams of meeting him are just going to be shot. Or he's going to think I'm hilarious. So, by the way... While we're all sitting here, oh, the cheese! I do want to tell you guys what the murder we're going to be talking about is for this episode. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. We're going to be talking about a famous Charleston cold case that is just becoming famous, and I am really interested in talking to you about it specifically, Kelsey, because Ooh. I think you're going to like this one. So that's a, that's what we're going to talk about during this episode, and it's going to be super fun. All right, let's do it. It's going to be cash money. All right. So you just heard a recording that we made live from a hotel room Mm -hmm. in Cross Lanes, West Virginia. Um, And it was us trying the, I'm sorry to tell you this right now, in case you're about to get very sad, since defunct Island Teriyaki. So we might be the last review that they get, at least from that location. We saw an update the other day that, unfortunately, they are um, closed for the foreseeable future while they try to figure out their next steps. So, I hope they come back soon. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Um, so we are going to... Um, Play obviously you just heard us play the uh, review of Island Teriyaki as a post mortem to that beautiful food, and now we're going to move on to one of the other places that we tried that we did not have time to record while we were down there, which is Lowry's. Do you want to start with what you got, Kelsey? Yeah. So I am really basic. I ordered the filet mignon, which um, it's. Angus beef tenderloin with a veal reduction sauce and whipped Yukon gold potatoes. And I am here to tell you that it was just fantastic. I eat my steak rare. They had it exactly the way I wanted it. It had a nice crust on the outside. And oh my God, I want it so bad right now. <laughs> that, yeah, it's... Uh... If if Lowry's touches beef, I feel like it's amazing. Yeah. No matter what, and I love how you're like. I'm very basic, so I got a. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I, get anything fancy. It's literally just a filet mignon with a veal reduction sauce. Yeah, yeah. it's super fancy. Nothing fancy. I also Nothing got the chocolate cake, and um, regrettably, it was not the dessert I should have gotten. The yeah. cheesecake was significantly better. Not that it was bad. It was just so rich. You know, um, <laughs> I, 
I killed the dessert game on this trip. I'm not gonna lie. This one was this one was all me. But I got uh, the eight ounce pan seared um, tenderloin with jumbo lump crab meat and Bernays sauce called Beef Oscar. Um, I also got mine. Um, relatively medium rare and it was absolutely delicious it was um, really good the sauce was, was excellent super super good um it also had asparagus on the side like a mm -hmm. parmesan as asparagus that was super good um and i had the white chocolate uh blueberry cheesecake as well and it was absolutely uh ridiculous it was out of this world it like, really was it I regretted everything when I got the chocolate cake, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, Charleston, um, West Virginia is actually developing one heck of a food scene. Um, and I'm very, very sad to to see Island Teriyaki leave that. But let's hope they're back soon uh, with, a, with a food truck. Um, I will definitely be there if they are. I hope they do a food truck. They've got way more options that I way. Know, and know. they could maybe come closer to us and that would be great. I want, I think it's just, let's just move them up here. Because it was so good. Yeah. Um, all right. So oh, they'd do so well in Morgantown. They would. They would kill the game. Uh -huh. They would kill the game in Morgantown. All right, guys. So in honor of our Charleston trip, I have chosen um, a Charleston true crime, um, which is um, still considered an active uh, missing persons case for at least one of the persons involved. And I'll get into why I'm saying that in just a moment. So... Um, to find mine, you're going to have to go all the way back to the year 1979. This is still an active case from 1979, and it is the disappearance of Maisie May Sigmund Palmer. Have you ever heard of this before? I have not. Okay, so this is very interesting. Uh, there are some very good YouTube videos and things like that um, that kind of walk through the night that she went missing that get really, really interesting. So I would highly recommend, because I'm not going to retread all of that that they did, but I would highly recommend that you check that out. Um, it's, it's really, really interesting. So let's just kind of go over the details of her disappearance. So Sigmund Palmer was last seen um, in Charleston, West Virginia on July 14th, 1979. So what's kind of eerie is this episode will be airing pretty close to the date that, uh, that her disappearance occurred. Um, she had divorced three months prior to her disappearance and was living with her parents on the 1600 block of Grapevine Road um, in Sissonville, West Virginia. The night she disappeared, she was actually in Charleston on a date with her 18-year-old boyfriend uh, named John Eric. They, they, they called him Jay Farley, so I'll probably just call him Jay uh, moving forward here. So again, she had just gotten divorced three months before. She was living with her parents and had gone out for a date night on July 14th, 1979. The two had been dating for a few weeks, according to um, Sigmund Palmer's family. Um, they had not been together for too long, but there was nothing that I can find that said he was untrustworthy or that there was any reason to uh, believe that he would be capable of, of doing anything like kidnap or murder, anything like that. His father stated that the couple was not, in his opinion, going steady. Again, remember, this is 1979, so that's the, the wording that was used. And uh, and they were just kind of seeing each other. They weren't really together, according to him. 
So the two met that night at a club that is now defunct called the Roaring Twenties um, that was on the 200 block of Hale Street in Charleston, West Virginia. Sometime shortly after 11 p.m., they hitched a ride together um, to the King's Inn nightclub on the 1600 block of 2nd Avenue. Before getting out of the vehicle, um, Sigmund Palmer said, oh, he's in there. The person driving the car didn't know who she was referring to, um, and she didn't specifically say. That's really interesting to me. Okay. So, apparently, they literally hitched a ride. Right. To this other nightclub, and Mm -hmm. when they got there, she said, oh, he's in there, but then never elaborated to the driver who he was. Okay. All right. So... They went inside the King's Inn and took a table on the ground floor with a friend. Sigmund Palmer said that she was going to the second floor to talk to someone. A few minutes later, Jay Farley followed her. Neither of them would ever be seen alive again. Okay. At this point. All right. So, again, they were at one nightclub. It's to ride to nightclub number two, which was the King's Inn. They took a table, and then she said she was going to go talk to someone. Jay followed her, and both of them would would be missing from that point on, uh, which I think is really, really odd. But we're going to get into maybe what might have happened here. Okay. So when Sigmund Palmer didn't return home the next day, her family wasn't initially concerned because she often spent nights elsewhere. Um, Farley didn't come home either, and his family, on the other hand, was extremely concerned because they considered this to be very uncharacteristic of him to stay out without telling anyone. Um, He never phoned, he never said where he was going to be, and apparently this was really odd. Um, Both both parents eventually reported the couple missing, but the police didn't realize that there was any connection between the cases until January of 1980. So again... Let's go back and say this was July 14th of 1979. Neither set of parents bothered to tell the police that they were together the night they went missing until January of 1980. So like over half a year later? Half a year later. They, they never, they never said, oh yeah, um, something y'all might want to know about. Uh, they happened to have been together when they went missing. Uh, that That is, to me, and I, I'm sorry to say this because I believe uh, a lot of the family members are still alive. That's on that's on the parents, um, unless they said it and the cops just weren't paying attention. Because it does say that they didn't realize that there was connection in the cases until January of 1980. Um, okay, but yeah. like even you're saying that this is on the parents, but here's the thing that I have an issue with. They didn't do enough of a deep dive on these people to know that a they were together and b they were like literally seeing each other yeah that is pretty shoddy questioning (laughs) um it's a fair point um you know it it, it is i will give you that that's pretty that's pretty shoddy police work actually to not bother asking but here's the thing i don't know why they would think to ask if the two were specifically together because again the parents never mentioned the other one but i know the police say like were they with anyone that night exactly Uh, who was the last one who might have seen them you know and Uh, that's pretty basic yeah there you go so again the police uh, essentially wasted six months 
not realizing that they were connected. Um, and the authorities initially thought the couple might have just run away together. So once they realized that they were connected, the first thought was maybe they ran away together. It does sound to me like maybe they were both a little spontaneous, specifically her, because if her parents were like, yeah, it's normal that she doesn't come home. Um, that's, you know, maybe she was very, you know, spontaneous. I kind of get that line of thinking. Uh, but there was one thing that kind of closed the book on that. They both left all their clothes, jewelry, money, and belongings behind at home. Neither owned a vehicle, and Farley wasn't even, so Jay wasn't even a licensed driver. He couldn't even drive. So you're talking about two people who, who literally left everything behind, and the police were like, yeah, maybe they just took off. Um, so this case yep, really they literally just walked away. <laughs> they was like, yeah, screw it. Um, we don't like this club. We're going to move to California. Uh, we hear they have nicer clubs. We should probably walk there. Yeah, we should walk because I can't drive <laughs> and I don't have any of my stuff. So yeah, kind of we'll just off. buy it with our, with no money when we get there. Yeah. So, um, again, they both disappeared in 1979. The police didn't even realize it was a connected case um, until six months later when they initially thought they just ran away together, but then, you know, discounted that theory based on the fact that everything was left behind. And it made no sense. Exactly. <laughs> so, flash forward to May of 1984, almost five years after the couple had disappeared, Farley's badly weathered skeletal remains were found at the Fayette County surface mine, about 20 yards um, from Canelton Hollow Road. This is about 30 miles from Charleston um, and would take about 45 minutes to drive. So five years later, his body is discovered at, at the site of a surface mine. And the clothes that he was wearing the night of his disappearance were also found with the remains. Investigators believe that he was killed on or near the night that he disappeared. His hands had been taped behind his back and he had been shot. Um, a single bullet was found under the remains and there was no sign anywhere of her. Of Sigmund Palmer. Does it say where he was shot? Um, it does not. He was, it, they only found, so I'm assuming he was put in the hole and then shot because they found mm -hmm. it under his body. So that sounds to me like they threw him in the hole and then shot him. Yeah, so a, a very brutal way to die. Um, Farley had graduated uh, from high school in the spring of 1979. Um, his loved ones described him as a normal teenager who had no particular problems in his life. Um, he had applied for several local jobs after high school um, and talked about possibly joining the military. Um, so he was, you know, sounds to me like he was just an angsty teen looking for what his next step was, right? Um, Sigmund Palmer's loved ones described her as friendly and outgoing. Uh, one of her friends stated um, that she was extremely naive and trusting in nature. Um, she had work experience in nursing homes um, and was a secretary and file clerk. Um, she had previously lived in Oklahoma City, um, Seaside Park, New Jersey, and several small cities in Pennsylvania. So this is the other thing that led me to believe that she was actually an extremely spontaneous person. Um, she was pretty darn young, um, and she had already lived all over the country. She was moving from place to place. It also kind of made me think, 
maybe there was something she was running from because that's a lot of movement and a lot of like change um, in a very short life. Uh, so kind of odd. Um, she had no prior criminal record, and investigators don't believe she is in any way responsible uh, for Farley's murder. She did, however, associate with people who were in motorcycle gangs and were considered heavily involved in drug trafficking. Okay, but, like, all I'm saying is they also didn't, like, ask who they were with when they disappeared. Yeah. They didn't, like, put it together that two people disappeared from the same place the same night for, like, six months. So all I'm saying is she could have been a mastermind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not... There's no... There's. I'm not willing to say she's not responsible for this. Something seems a little fishy there to me, but mm-hmm. but maybe not. Um, so um, a gentleman named Mark Legg is considered a person of interest in Farley's murder um, and her disappearance. Um, he is a former West Virginia resident and has been a suspect and a person of interest for several unrelated crimes in West Virginia and North Carolina between 1983 and 2000, including sexual offenses against two teenage boys and the murder of two young men. Um, each time, uh, he was either not charged or the charges were dropped. Authorities have not been able to tie him to Farley and Sigmund Palmer's cases, Um, Many members of the couple's family, including Farley's father and both of her parents, have actually died in the year since 1977. And foul play is um, extremely suspected um, in her case, which to this day remains completely unsolved. So this is one hell of a mystery to me, because to this day... And, and you can, again, check out YouTube, check out some crime pages. I got my information from the Charlie Project. Um, I really like their work. So oh, The Charlie Project is really cool. Yeah, very cool. And I'm thinking about donating to this one since I use them for, for everything um, in this one uh, because it's, it's really interesting what they're doing. Um, so here in a minute, I am going to give you guys, and this is something I don't think I've ever done on this show, I'm going to give you like a full rundown of everything you would need to know about her um, in case maybe you... Th- have seen her since it happened. I mean, she would She's probably going by a different name. Yeah. She would obviously at this point, if she wasn't murdered, um, she would obviously be going by um, possibly a different name. She might look a little bit different, but we're still going to give you a rundown of her particulars um, in case you guys would, uh, would, you know, see someone that might match it. Um, and I also have the investigating agency information so that you guys know who to, uh, who to contact. Okay, so, um, yeah, this one is interesting to me. And the the part of it that gets me um, is what happened when they pulled up to the club. When she said, he's in there. Who was in there? Was it because remember, she's divorced. Was it her ex-husband? Was it Mm -hmm. someone that she was dealing drugs with, potentially? Was it someone from the motorcycle gang? If only obviously the person she was going to go talk to. Only she had said a name to that driver. We probably would have solved this already. That's that's pretty that's pretty wild to me. So yeah, something something why, to keep in mind. Real real quick, mm-hmm. why is um our person of interest a person of interest? You know, I can't find a lot of information about why. I'm assuming he's someone that was from 
one of those motorcycle gangs, something like that. Maybe he was in the area that night. Um, I'll do a little more research and try to find it, but he's the only name I could find that was a person of interest. Uh, so definitely, definitely an interesting one to look into. Again, the, the videos and stuff that I've watched have gone into a lot more detail, but not really about the suspects. Okay. Um, so it's, it's definitely something I would like to hear more about. So again, let's go over all of her, um, kind of particulars. Again, she's been missing since July 14th, 1979. Um, she went missing in Charleston, West Virginia. Um, she, uh, has a date of birth of 11, 24, 54, which would today would put her at 67. Um, at the time of her disappearance, she was right around 25. And that's why I said to you, I was like, man, that is a lot of like, can you imagine at 25, you're like, oh, I've already lived in three different states, seven different cities, had five different jobs. I mean, it's been married a, and divorced, been married and divorced. Like, like I said, the spontaneity part. And like, now I run with drug dealers and motorcycle, motorcycle gang. gangs. And it's not odd for me to go miss it. It's not odd that my parent, that I didn't come home, like very spontaneous person, um, so let's talk a little bit. She went missing at age 24. Sorry about that. Um, she was 5'6", approximately 115 pounds when she went missing. Well, let's all be honest, at 67, gained a little bit. Everybody does. Let's not shame anyone. All right. Uh, so how dare you, listeners, shame her. <laughs> um, Clothing and jewelry description. The night she went missing, she was wearing a pink or orange blouse, uh, blue uh, blue Lee jeans, sandals, dangly earrings, and possibly a gold ring set with a small diamond. Uh, she was carrying a small blue purse with silver trim and a shoulder strap. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, not that she would still be wearing that, but... Um, I hope she is. I have actually heard... Of things where we where they release what a person was wearing the night they were murdered, and then someone like finds it in a relative's closet or something like that. So keep that in mind. If you find those exact clothes, you should probably reach out to the investigators. Distinguishing characteristics: Caucasian female, brown hair, brown hazel eyes. Um, her ears were double pierced. Um, she has scars on her wrist and chin, a surgical scar on her breast, and a scar um, on the bottom of her right foot from having stepped on a nail. She has type O positive blood. She wears a size 8 pant, um, size 10 dress, size 34D bra, and um, shoe size of 6.5 or 7. Um, Sigmund Palmer may use, uh, the alias date of birth, June 3rd, 1960. That is her sister's date of birth. Um, and she has her sister's birth certificate. How sketchy is this woman? Mm -hmm. This is an odd one. She smokes menthol cigarettes, at least at the time of her disappearance. Um, she may use the alias names, May Boomer, Shirley Kaufman, um, Lil Darko, Lily Goldberg, Beverly Harpold, May Josephson, Lily Knipel, Roberta Mahoney, or Cindy Shamblin. What? 24 years old, has lived in three or four states has with motorcycle games, has a bunch of aliases. Birth certificate, whatever. And the man she was with that night mysteriously is found. Um, Buried on a surface mine with a bullet under his body. So that was her gang initiation. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I kind of thought the same thing. I really <laughs> kind of did. I, I was like, wait, 
Uh, that's kind of weird. So the investigating agency is still the Kanawha County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff's Office. Um, Brittany, if you can put their phone number in the um, description as well, I would really appreciate it. I'll send you the website. Their phone number is 304-357-0200. If you have any information on her disappearance or on her possible whereabouts, um, let's all remember that what, what normally gets brought up in this is her disappearance and not his death. I don't know why a lot of people don't talk about that. But snitches guys, get stitches. Yeah. Rem- <laughs> remember, um, Jay Farley is confirmed deceased, um, and she could have had something to do with that. So if anyone has any information, please don't be afraid to reach out um, and let the Kanawha County Sheriff's Office know. Um, because, boy, I don't know about you, but I would love to find out who was in that club that night, and I would love to find out what really happened. All right, that's all I have for today. It was a little bit of a short one, but uh, hate to hate to leave it at that because it's a lot of information, but there you go. So Brittany is pointing out that type O positive blood is given to patients more than any other blood type. It's common. Super common. It's the most common. It's the most common. You can talk. Brittany's in here. She's acting like she didn't want... Just talk. Um, Brittany's our... You, you don't hear her a lot. She's our she's our uh, amazing editor and has to deal with me and Kelsey chewing food all the time. She does. Um, she is... Bless. <laughs> and sometimes we forget to turn the air conditioner off and then we she has to edit it anyway. <laughs> We didn't today. All right. So that's all I have for this episode. Um, This is one that I've actually been wanting to do for a while. I was trying to find a way to make it a little bit of a longer episode, but unfortunately, um, there's just not that much. I do have a lot of photos of her, which are public use. Um, We can use both because we also have photos of him. Um, Very good looking young lady. uh, Very good looking young man. So I I get why they... uh, well, they were doing their thing that night, but, uh, you know, someone don't look at me like that. Come on. That's saying objectively, they're not bad looking people. You marry so, him. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> All right. So, uh, please reach out to the Kanawha County Sheriff's Department. If you have any information on this missing persons case or on this murder, um, and let's solve it. Let's figure out a way to solve this thing. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, and most other spots where you can find great podcasts, obviously like ours. And we're on Amazon now. Shit! I was going to add Amazon. <laughs> what? You stole Amazon from me. No. You remembered iHeartRadio and you stole Amazon? Yeah. Mm. It's because everyone says what a great podcast voice you have every time they talk to me. It's amazing. So. All right, that's all I have. You have anything you want to add? You look shocked right now. I, it's just so much information that I wasn't expecting. Um, so no, I have nothing. Um, stay creepy. Stay creepy, creeps. I'm gonna let you guys all go with a little bit of the smooth, velvety, chocolate voice. <laughs>